Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. We appreciate you all being here and supporting the people that support us. Uh, do check out the streaming show, particularly Wednesday show with Dr. Victory. I think that's the kind of stuff you guys might find interesting. It's 3 o'clock Pacific time at drdrew.tv. And, of course, After Dark is still there. We'd love to see some of the Corolla team over there uh, with that show as well. It's something you guys would probably – that whole your mom's house thing is something you guys would like, no doubt. Today, Joe Lapino Esposito is a lawyer. He also has a BA in Government American Studies from College of William and Mary. He is with the Pacific Legal Foundation, which sues the government to protect individuals and their constitutional rights. And he tweeted some stuff, and I thought, i got to talk to this guy. So, Joe, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, I guess first tell me about the organization, what you guys are working on now, and let's get into the weeds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Pacific Legal Foundation, uh, we are now 50 years old. We were started in Sacramento. Uh, and originally, we primarily worked on just litigation. So we were suing the government for a number of different issues. Um, chief among them is usually property rights. But can I, can I ask something? Can I interrupt you right away? Yeah. How do those things get funded? I, I see some of the people like Armit Dillon and doing these things. And I'm like, how do they make a living? It's so, it's so time consuming and cumbering what you guys are doing. How does that get funded? So primarily, we are a 501c3, so it's just uh, private donations. Wow. So we get a lot of donations from people who are interested in helping out. Crazy. Uh, for 50 years, we've been seeing it, and people have been seeing the type of cases we've been taking on, and uh, they appreciate our work. Wow. So, so, piece of it. so it's property rights mostly. Yeah, that's where we started, but we really started working a lot more on a few other key issues. Um, obviously, emergency powers, which we'll talk about in a second, but we also talk about um, equality and opportunity. So we deal with things like certificate of need laws. Uh, we deal with uh, some of these new admissions policies, uh, some high schools, some merit high schools like in Virginia, where they've decided equity is more important than equality and more important than merit. Uh, and we've decided to sue them there. We've also pursued some legislative fixes as well. And that's that's primarily what my department works on. Yeah, the the equity phenomenon in in areas like healthcare is just extraordinary to me. Be, because the the principle of equity would posit that I should be able to get the same outcome for a 19-year-old male and an 85-year-old female. I mean, literally. That's it's it's insane in healthcare. It's it's not even it's just insane. It's an insane concept. Uh, equality, equality of access, equality of distribution, equality of everything. I'm all for, but equity, which is equity of outcome in healthcare, you just can't. You, you can't even take two people who are. You couldn't take identical twins and have equity of outcome. Yeah, absolutely, and and we find that in a number of different areas. I mean, we primarily focus our equity work in the education space, where you have places like Thomas Jefferson High School in Virginia consistently the number one uh, public high school in the country where they decided a few years ago, let's just get rid of the merit test and, and let's see what happens. Right. And the, really the, the problem there was that they specifically said, we have too many Asian students. And that's specifically what they were pursuing. And now even more recently, uh, it's not a part of it that we're really involved in, but uh, recently the governor of uh, Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, has just asked the attorney general to investigate the fact that Evidently, they decided to not give the students their National Merit Scholarship notifications Jeez. Uh, because some people might be upset. Oh, my uh, God. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's sort of all in line with the same problems that we've been looking at in a number of areas where, you know, civil rights laws say it's all about equality, not about equity. And that's really what we think is important. And that's what we stress in a lot of our cases and a lot of our, our legislation. Yeah, I, Abraham Lincoln articulated it repeatedly. It's like giving everyone an equal playing field in this race, so-called life, you know, race of life, and and 
And that includes disproportionately supporting some people that might have been weighed down by the lack of a level playing field. I'm all for that. No problem. But measuring the process and the equality of access versus where everyone ends the race, I mean, well, then I want to play in the NBA. Yeah, exactly. The logic follows perfectly. And I I don't think anybody sees that as a, a good idea. Well, no, I'm, no, I'm sure you're pretty no, good. No, no, like, nobody no. sees that as a good idea. So that's a, you, you started <laughs> in the right place there. So so I want to get to these emergency powers because I this to me was one of the astonishing – many, many light bulbs went off during the pandemic. A, a lot of – I spent my time shaking my head in astonishment for two years every day. But one of the areas of astonishment was the powers, the unlimited powers we grant to these public health – so-called public health officials – and they require no justification and are unrestrained in any way. Wow, what? Huh? I mean, in America, what? Is that not astonishing? And shouldn't we be solving that problem? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something we became really focused on. You know, even prior to the pandemic, we had a, a practice group that we call the separation of powers group. And it's really, you know, the basic idea you learn in civics, right? You have three branches of government. Their powers are divided more or less equally. They all have different roles in in government. And as it's always been, the legislature has a legislative authority to write the, the laws. And then the executive branch is supposed to enforce those laws. Sometimes they do it through rulemaking. And there's a lot of controversy over how much rulemaking they actually can do and what overlaps into lawmaking. And then you have the judiciary, which is in charge of actually, you know, deciding if anybody has overstepped the bounds of the rule of law. Uh, But what we saw in the pandemic and what we saw sort of traditionally through emergency powers, because what we thought emergencies were has has shifted, unfortunately. Uh, But when you saw an emergency, that was, hey, look, the governor needs to declare a state of emergency. He needs to order some evacuations because there's a hurricane coming or there's a flood or whatever it might be. Everyone was okay with that concept of, well, he's got to move quickly. We don't know what's going on. Fine. So be it. It'll be for a week. The power will come back on. We'll start rebuilding. We go back to normal. Uh, But in the pandemic context, they've decided, well, look, the emergency is just forever. There's (laughs) always going to be this disease. So therefore... The either the governor or, like you said, even worse, a public health official is going to be the one that's calling the shots. The legislature has no say. And unless there is a state law saying otherwise, the review for the judiciary is essentially none at all. They call it a political controversy in some cases and they just move on and and they don't look at the cases. And even if they do, they're usually on uh, what's called a rational basis test, which is as long as they can roughly say, hey, here's a not in completely insane reason we are doing this even um, when the reasons are completely insane by the way right right uh, we saw really lots of that lots right. of that yeah but go ahead keep going rational basis no i'm absolutely right i mean i think even in, in many cases rational basis would have failed uh but because the courts don't even see right to pick it up in in a number of states we don't even get to that stage they don't hear the cases or we never even get to evaluate them and they just continue on uh you know sort of undisturbed so is it something that needs to go to the Supreme Court? So there's a few different angles. Um, 
In in some ways, yes. The short answer is yes. It, it should mm-hmm. go back to the Supreme Court. Uh, I know you talked to Mark Garagos a lot about this. Mm-hmm. Really, the only case on point is approaching 100 years old, if not over that now. Um, and uh, it, there's really not good precedent there for saying why this occurs. But ultimately, you know, when you look at what happened in the individual states where generally most of these things were were affected, um, it comes down to state law and, and state courts. Mm. So what we've been focusing on is seeing what can be done about the emergency powers laws as they exist in a number of states. Uh, so you see, uh, for example, in Kentucky, uh, we helped push for a reform there which just simply said, look, the governor can declare a state of emergency, but after a certain amount of time, it has to go back to the legislature for approval. He can't just continue to rule undisturbed. Right. Um, You know, in other states, like in Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin had that law in place, except they didn't have a a sort of follow-up law that said, oh, by the way, if we rule that your emergency power is over, you can't just reissue it, calling it something different. Right. So so there you had the governor say, okay, fine. Once he got to the state court and he lost, he said, okay, new variant, new emergency. I'm doing it again. Oh, my God. So that's what our our, our model policy on this, and we have a lot of this stuff up at our website, our model legislation would say, hey, look, you have to have these limits. And by the way, if the legislature shoots it down, you can't just come back and do it again. Oh, my God. This is so frustrating because I I lived through what these people did and what they did had no rational basis and there was no recourse. You couldn't even ask them to defend their rational basis. It just was a rational basis. It was just posited. Therefore, it was rational. <laughs> and, and it had no I, – I know I remember I brought it up many times was on these various podcasts. But, but you know, I was on a news broadcast the night when uh, – this is a, kind of a separate issue, but kind of a corollary issue. But, but again, it was to me an evidence of the irrationality that was going on. School, school board member came on the show I was anchoring and went, well, tomorrow we're going to close the schools. And I said, what – who told you to do that? Who? What? There was an infectious disease consultant that you met with, and to, what doctor? What medical professional? Nobody. We think it's the right thing to do, wrong thing to do. Zero medical basis for it. Damaged kids. Stayed closed for two years in this in this particular town, and it was an atrocity. Gary, let me remind you. He also said they were following Barbara Ferrer. Well, did he say that in that interview? That was what he said. Yeah. He following yeah. Who her. is a sociologist with no clinical training whatsoever. It's fantastic. And has shown her judgment to be profoundly disturbed. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the problem. You know, one of the other pieces of what we're pushing for is that these orders cannot come from public health officials. If they're going to be these statewide orders, they have to come from the governor. It cannot just come from anybody that either the governor appoints or someone else who is right. not democratically elected. Yeah. Because, again, you just have – You've heard this before, I'm sure, from many people. The bureaucrats are running the show. And when it comes to emergency powers, they're giving them an opportunity to just do it for whatever reason they decide. And they say, well, you know, the emergency authority is there. And, uh, you know, for example, in Virginia, where I am, uh, there is separate authority for the the secretary of health to issue statewide orders regarding these these matters uh, where they can quarantine people. They can do whatever they want uh, based on a statewide order done by someone who's appointed by the governor. Uh, and somebody who's not democratically accountable. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. 
Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually my drink was give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam! I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. And I also get the sense that in addition to these people not being properly trained and not having any ability to render judgment because they have no judgment in this area and have no experience in this area, I don't think they really appreciated what they were even doing. It's like, no, no, we're just talking about just wear a mask. I mean, what's the big deal? You know, just stay home. Shelter in place. Shelter in place. With no sense that just those words people associate with a nuclear holocaust. You're gonna, people are going to have mental health problems from you using those words and no, no sense of what they've done and certainly no accountability. Right. And, and that's the, the lack of accountability that's, that is bred by the fact that there is no debate, right? It doesn't go to the legislature for people to hash it out and say, well, what are you in favor of? What what are we going to approve? What are we going to move forward with? And look, there's a world where if these laws were in place, you know, say March of 2020, maybe for a month or two, the legislatures agree because they don't know better. They don't know what's going on. But when you roll around to the summer when infections are going down or, hey, you know, skip ahead for a year if states really wanted to be cautious. Are you telling me once the vaccine was out that there weren't going to be legislatures that would say enough is enough? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, too many of them are willing to say, look, the governor is, you know, quote unquote, taking care of us. And uh, they know best and they're the experts. So we'll just let them continue to do this and we will cede our authority and and not really push back. So it was really encouraging for us to see a number of states want to pick up our legislation in, in early 2021 when they were back in session to say, this has gone on for too far. Governor, you are not the dictator of the state. We have a say here. If you want this order to continue, make your case to us. Maybe we'll approve it. Maybe we won't. We probably won't at this stage. Um, and we're going to shoot it down. Is there that, that's the governor emergency powers issue? Is yeah. there any attempt to sort of address the excesses of public health generally? Like, what is there a way to go after the even even what the qualifications need to be for people to be in these positions? Because that came out clearly, many of these people were not qualified, and then what the scope of their job and their uh, powers. That, that to me just seems egregiously out of line. Right. And that's the way we've been looking at it is trying to say, you know, some people have been looking at it saying, well, we don't want them to ever issue an order again saying you can't go to church or you can't buy this or do that. Well, that's fine. But, you know, we couldn't have predicted this in 2019 that this was going to be the type of order we would see from a governor. So our whole thing uh, is to go back to the idea of who has the power itself. So, to, to sort of roundabout answer your question, if the public health official can't just unilaterally issue an emergency order, I'm not, at least from our perspective, you know, our legal perspective, we're not as concerned if they issue bad guidance because that's just bad guidance. And then that goes back to the person who's appointed them saying, why are you letting this person who's incompetent issue this guidance that you're telling us we ought to follow? But at least it doesn't have the force of law, right? And that's yeah. really the big difference. My only pushback to your pushback would be, 
we have grotesque evidence of incompetence for two years and no adjustment by the people that are elected. That's right. Well, woo. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the biggest issue. And I, and I think that gets down to how people are then appointed to these positions. Is there a council? Is there a legislature that has to vote on these people being the secretary of health or whoever? Um, and they could say, look, this person is wholly unqualified for this job. We are not going to put them there, uh, whether they have the power or not. Because even so, you know, some school districts have said, look, we'll follow the guidance of whoever says it. Well, that's not legally binding. But if the school board votes on it, well, now it is. So they're, they're definitely I, I, not not I don't want to you know push back that hard on your point you do have a very good point there it's just that from the sort of the the emergency perspective uh, that's where you run into trouble uh, and really to, to go to your other question that where you kind of put it to the the u.s supreme court there are still federal concerns because they are using this emergency power to claim a lot of other powers so you want to talk about student loan cancellation you want to talk about the eviction moratorium that's all because they can say emergency order and then a lot of things fall from that for sort of these these little bombs waiting to explode in federal law that they've just decided to combine a few things and make these things permissive now, um, or at least they're trying to before the court shoots it down. What keeps you up at night? A lot of these issues, I think in particular, where government bureaucrats are the ones who are calling the shots and there is no say from the people where these where these orders and what these agencies are doing are coming from. So, for example, to go back to the student loan cancellation, you know, we had a lawsuit um, which was really tough actually to find standing on because there is in the federal court, there's no general taxpayer standing. So you actually have to find harm. So it was a little hard to find harm for, gee, you're just going to cancel the student loan debt for for everyone for no good reason, except we're now saying it's an emergency. And because we can grab this other law that was passed after 9-11 to say, this is why we can forgive student loans of service members. Well, we're all affected by this emergency, so we can give everybody a break on this. Mm. Um, that's the type of stuff where you know, the administration, the Biden administration specifically wrote the law so that you would have trouble finding standing. Mm. Now, we were able to find it um, Unfortunately, in our uh, circuit, they, they shot it down. But luckily, uh, some states have challenged and they have some standing because they are actually student loan. Um, they, they grant student loans. So they actually have a harm and that the loans are going to be forgiven. Um, and then uh, some other groups have found some standing as well. So the Supreme Court is taking a look at that. But the idea that we are now focused on this idea that we can get around the legislature because, well, things aren't moving as quickly as it should. So we'll just we'll just do executive power. And as long as we have an emergency order in, it's even easier to do that. I mean, they had a lot of free reign with executive power as it was before the emergencies existed. The, now, the, go well, the governors, the governors, governors yeah. and, and the president, frankly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everybody can do a lot of things with that. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at the federal level, uh, both folks on the left and right have criticized this. You know, we've criticized it for a long time. The Brennan Center, a little bit more on the left. Um, have criticized this for a long time as well. We have emergency orders dating back to the Iran hostage crisis that are still in place. Mm. So the president can use a lot of these emergency orders to then pull on a number of other powers that can only be done in times of emergency. Right. Uh, so we see that through the student loans. We saw that through the eviction moratorium. That was something the, the Trump administration started with, saying you can't evict anybody because the CDC has some powers regarding uh, housing. So right. therefore, no one can be evicted. Um, that's the stuff that really concerns me, because if that door just remains open and there's no check on the emergency power itself, then that opens up a flood of other powers uh, that we're going to continue to see. 
And particularly right now at the federal level, I mean, as of you and I talking about this, we still don't have the House in session. So um, once the House actually takes place, well, it's going to be a House that's opposed to the, you know, it is a different party than the current president. I think we're going to see a lot more of these things happening where executive powers will be exercised, emergency or not, because, well, I don't like that we can't get the law passed. So we'll just find another way to do it. And we'll wait until the courts get around to shooting us down. The um, I, I was I became aware in California that the the emergency powers gave like access to medical resources like Medi-Cal or something that, that people, some people wouldn't otherwise have had access to it. That softened my position a little bit. I thought, oh, well, I get that. I, I get that's that's kind of important. Is there a way to carve out some of the? I guess there'd be legislative to carve out some of these things that really should be in place that shouldn't be vic- shouldn't be solely under the purview of emergency powers. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of legislative fixes when it comes to that. Of you know, w- why is it an emergency? So another good example is that's why it's emergency. Just- why is it only access during an emergency? If, if, right, if people right. need access, they need access. You know, right. Well, and that's the thing. So a good example of that also in the medical context is certificate of need laws. Right, mm-hmm. in a number of states to get an ambulance service started, like in New York, we had clients there. They wanted to start their own ambulance service. Uh, but well, we don't need another ambulance service. So, oh, well, you can't open it. The, the board says no thanks. And a lot of the times, of course, these boards are filled with the people who have their own ambulance services. So shocking. They don't shocking. want any competition. Yeah, shocking. Um, but you know, when, when during the emergency, these all got dropped saying, well, we need as many ambulances as we can get. Well, the sky didn't fall. And they're still in place, a lot of these things, that they still have these things suspended, these certificate of need laws. Well, what's the harm? Keep that in place. So have a legislative fix where if you want to have an ambulance service, you open an ambulance service. And if there's no need for it, guess what? You won't be in business for very long. And then that's your own fault. Are are you working on any of the other issues? This is a – I'm taking you off course for a second. I'll get back Mm -hmm. on our on our, our line of thinking in a minute. But it just occurred to me, I, I have grave concerns. Are you working in California primarily? Is that one of your – No. So uh, we, we do work in California, but we work across the country. Okay. So I'm so, actually based in, in Virginia. But yeah, so we, we're all over the place. So AB 2098 here in California, is that something you're involved with where physicians are being silenced from speaking to their patients about uh, informed consent unless it complies with the standard of care as as mandated by the CDC? You know, we haven't engaged on that. We we do do some free speech work. We actually engaged a little bit in California on AB5 regarding independent contractors and how actually reporters were affected by that from a free speech perspective. But we have not dug into that that issue that much. How about, and, and again, just curious, uh, yeah. the issue here in this state where you can't treat anybody <laughs> psychiatrically because there, the the – Lantern and Petra Short Act has been so modified over the years and it started bad and it's gotten way, way worse to the point now where there's literally only one way you can take somebody whose brain isn't working right and help them is if they have imminent plan to kill themselves or somebody else. That's it. Otherwise, they're on their own no matter how bad their brain is unless they have dementia, unless they have dementia with the same symptoms and then you have to rush in. But if they have psychiatric illness causing the same symptoms, you're not allowed to get near them. It's the oddest thing in the world. Yeah, it's very strange. No, it's not something we engage on. But no, I agree. I, I think a lot of these issues where there's just not a lot of sense there. And I think you have a problem, I think, in California where there's not a lot of challenge of a lot of these ideas because there's not sort of a healthy political debate. And like you said, you know, there hasn't been a lot of reaction from anybody following this pandemic, you know, whether it's through 
you know, not recalling certain people or, or, yeah, or, or maybe recalling people in some areas. I mean, I think Super it's effective crazy. in some areas you saw in, in San Francisco regarding the schools, but, mm. um, you know, that's, that's sort of the thing that we're pushing for across the board is get, get the people who are supposed to be doing their jobs to actually do their jobs. And primarily that's the legislature to go past the laws. Don't let the governor or the agencies or whoever else just run roughshod because, Oh, well, that's that's their prerogative. Like, no, you can stop them and tell them that this is your power to direct them in another way. They cannot just write the laws and decide how they how they read the laws. That's well, not how it's supposed to unfortunately, work. Unfortunately, the legislature in California is out of control with zero debate. Uh, and they're the ones that have handed us these insanities. So yeah. I don't know. We can solve that in California. <laughs> Flight 562 is oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Brooke, we're going to miss our flight. We didn't finish the promo. Can we just record it on the plane? I will not be that person. What if we record it in the bathroom? Ew, no. That is disgusting. <sighs> well, we'll just have to go off the cuff and tell everyone about our podcast right now called Gals on the Go. Well, we are two gals constantly on the move with weekly conversations about friendship, navigating your 20s, relationships, trends, and just our exciting, chaotic lives. With Brooke Nicio and Danielle Carolyn, please come to well, the gate Well, I think it's time to board now, but this should be enough, right? Yeah, I'm sure they won't use it. But in case they do, new episodes of Gals on the Go drop every Wednesday. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. But my, my son's a lawyer, and he saw how upset I got during the pandemic, and he was saying, you know, this is the courts can solve this. The courts will get at this. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And then when I saw your tweet, I thought, oh, that's the kind of thing he's talking about. You guys are doing this stuff. Yeah. Do you think we're going to f- find enough corrective action? Can you guys do it to to have an impact on this craziness? Yeah, I mean, our goal is sort of twofold when we approach these issues. One, it is directly through the courts. So we had a number of clients like in North Carolina, we had a client who challenged, they had very silly laws regarding the types of bars, they have a lot of archaic you know, alcohol laws in place and certain types of bars could reopen and certain ones could not because some of them serve food and that's okay. But if Mm. you didn't serve food, then you couldn't reopen. So, you know, we challenge it under their emergency management act um, and we're doing well in court. We're moving forward, but then at the same time, we're pursuing legislation and eventually got it attached to their budget where the governor really had no choice, but to then sign off on it uh, despite getting versions of that bill 13 different times and vetoing it. 13 different times. So I definitely understand your frustration here saying, well, what are they going to do to fix this? But I think for us, the big push has been, look, you know, whether you're a Republican legislature with a Republican governor and you love your governor and he wouldn't dare do anything we don't like or Democrats and, and Democrats in line, um, you know, in, in both in both uh, branches, look, in four to eight years, there's a high probability there's going to be somebody there you don't like uh, and you don't want them having this power. So that's been a really appealing case we've been making from state to state to say, this is not something you want in place because yes, today we can talk about how emergency powers worked regarding the pandemic, but it's going to be something else tomorrow. I mean, we've seen a number of states declare emergencies for racism, declare it for the drug epidemics uh, and fentanyl but yes, and those are all very important issues, but they're chronic problems. They're not an emergency where the governor or whoever it is, a health official, can just decide this is what we're going to do. Yeah, That's just not how the, the way the, the state constitutions or the U.S. constitutions are written. So let me pull back to a broader view and ask kind of a philosophical question. 
have we lost our understanding of the basic principles? I'm going to ask this in such a way because it's easy to say yes because people are not aware what the basic principles upon which this country, country was founded. But right. really the the opening principles of we the people, that self-governance seems to be – Gone, like like we don't like you're not you're like people don't feel as though they, they I I think they're used to a governing elite or a governing body that is controlling and telling the, the thing in ways that act, or exceed the reasons the evolution the revolution was fought in 1776 vastly exceed what that population was upset about and we've just sort of passively come to accept this in such a way that we don't seem to understand that we are relinquishing. The basic, the the basic principle. Let, let me just not even put principles, but the basic principle. Uh, Alexis de Tocqueville is somebody I like talking about, and he was here in 1822, and he observed one of his big observations. He's a French nobleman that came here to look at democracy in America. Actually, came here to study the prisons, but ended up writing a famous book called Democracy in America. And his basic observation was the reason democracy worked in America is because there was a practice of democracy. We practiced it. Practice it in the classrooms, practice it in the cities and the towns and the counties, and people participated in it. That seems gone. I And I, as a citizen, feel helpless and completely detached from the idea that I'm somehow part of the governing process. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, that is a major problem. Yes, the short answer to your question is yes, right? We have forgotten that. And that's a big thing that we're pushing for at Pacific Legal, which is to say, look, you, first and foremost, you have these rights, right? Property is one of the rights. Uh, it's one of the key rights. That's like you said, going back to the revolution, having your own property was a key issue that they fought over. Uh, having this separation of powers where you know, you actually have the right to petition the government and tell them what you want to do. And furthermore, just looking to the U.S. Constitution of the 10th Amendment. Look, if we didn't say the power is here for the government to do it, and we didn't consent to the, giving them this power. That's your power. That's your individual rights. That's your individual liberty. And that's something we go back to over and over and over again. Uh, the baseline for all of these suits is why are you to tell us what we can or cannot do with our property, with who we associate with? with what mask or what mask we don't wear on our face, right? right. It's all of the basics um, and, and what, what other mandates you're putting on us. The baseline is, I shouldn't have to do this. You're going to have to prove why you as the government have the power to do it. And ultimately, that's what we're trying to say here. Uh, you know, That boils down to small businesses, right? You cannot open your restaurant. Well, if I want to open it and have uh, everybody wear a mask, then so be it. Great. If you want to open it and have nobody wear a mask, well, then so be it. What is your authority to say that we can't do that? And that's that's always the push, whether it's through the courts or legislatively, to say that is the, like you said, the principle that everything is based off of. We cannot get away from that. And I think you're right in that so many people were, were sort of waiting to say, well, what's okay for us to do for the pandemic? Well, it's boiling right? the frog. You know, it, We've just gotten used to this thing that is just completely unacceptable and contrary to what this country is, I, I thought, or maybe I'm wrong. That's right. just weird to me that people would it, – it's so weird to me that people would, A, glory in exercising these these powers, like enjoy it, it seems like. And then the even more astonishing thing to me, people would enjoy complying with it and supporting it. It's just, it's just weird to me. 
I, I, it's one thing if we were all fighting a common enemy or something and we were, you know, there's purpose to it and it was sensible. And by the way, even when it all started, uh, you know, our governor in California did a ridiculous lockdown. And I thought, oh, this is excessive. It's unnecessary. But I get it. He's in a tough position. I'm going to support my government, my leadership. I, I'm going to be a good citizen. I'll, I'll get in, you know, I'll go along with this because who knows, you know, maybe it's worse than we think it is. And he's preparing for the worst. Good for him. And then it just never ended. <laughs> <laughs> so it just shows how how these things can go grotesquely out of line, right? And, and I think that I think you're right, right? I mean, a lot of people want to say, "Hey, you know, I was fighting it from the get go." I mean, I think a lot of people were, like you said, willing to give a little bit of leeway. Let's get a handle on this. They're telling us two weeks. What's two weeks? Well, that um, was that was the federal <laughs> government, but the, but the state came in and said, "Hey, we're going to do this. Let's go and just listen yeah. to me. And just going to shut everything down. No big deal." Like this weird chummy nonsense that they get Garcetti and Newsom both kept coming at us with. And then, and by the way, shelter in place while you're at it. shelter in place, so you don't kill people. It's like wh- what? How, who told you to do that? Where did that come from? What what, what cabal? Do you know that that the six foot social distancing? was invented out of whole cloth in one meeting by mostly non-clinicians. They were at the time trying to decide between three feet and 60 feet, and they had no data to make the decision at all. And they just thought, which one can we get them to comply with? Let's just do six. Just do six feet. I'm going to interview a guy that was in the room when that decision was made, and I'm really going to get into the weeds with him. on What was that conversation like? Who was at the table? What were they saying? How did that happen? That became an international standard that has no basis in medicine whatsoever and no utility. didn't do anything. Well, and, and that's the whole problem, right? When you have no debate on these issues and you're just letting people in a, in a room, smoke-filled otherwise, just making these decisions. Well, and then you had these weird mobs that, that if you questioned it, you were somehow some sort of, some sort of evil enemy of the, of the people. That's, that's, the, that's the new – that's the part that was astonishing too. The, of right. course, and, and I think that Twitter the, had mechanisms for doing that, it turns out, lo and behold. But also people did it. Right. And that's the whole thing, right? They say politics is downstream from culture. If the culture is that we must listen to the people in charge at, at all costs, well, then we've really gotten away from a lot of basic principles uh, of, of what we should be standing for. I mean, it's, it's very odd to, to see that. And particularly when it gets so partisan and political, you know, are, are you going to follow one weirdly. governor? Yeah, very weirdly. Yeah, like, right? Are you going to follow this president, this governor today? No, you run to in- one side of the boat because somebody said something just because he said something. That, that's why you're running to that side of the boat, not because what they said was wrong or problematic or didn't have a foundation in, in good data. You just ran to the other side of the boat because he said it and, and both sides did it. Yeah, and that's the thing. You, you, you wanted you want leadership to show a, a path forward, but it's not supposed to be that you just blindly follow any of those people. And I think that's a lot of what we had. It wasn't just blindly following people; it was blindly going to the opposite of somebody else's leader. That was right. the weird thing, right? Well, yeah, and that's a very that's a very you know astute political observation. We've been doing a lot of not what the other guy wants, not so much of what we should be doing and moving forward yeah. with, which I think is just sort of a, I, a I real got, I got to see it so clearly with medication that people learned how to pronounce the day before and had profound opinions about those medications the next day. Medicines that I've been using for decades, they know better. And by the way, the, the, the word better not be uttered from my mouth lest I be seen as with that guy. The guy who who seemed to be interested in that drug because everything has to be opposite of that guy. Ugh. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's a sorry state of affairs that, you know, we had these issues boil down to just talking points and what f- was flying around on Twitter. That's that's no way to handle any of these things, mm-hmm. let alone when you're dealing with a medical emergency and, and, and everything else. V, do you think we give too much advice on this podcast? <laughs> Girl, this is a podcast. The advice does hit way harder when you cuss with it. Yeah. And we do plenty of that. This show, it ain't for kids. (laughs) Definitely not for the kids, but we do talk a lot about family. I mean, it comes with the territory and with a show called Baby Mama's No Drama. I just wonder if people get the gist of the ad we just did. You mean like the massive billboard in Times Square? That one? (laughs) Well, yeah, that one, but also this one, right? I guess I should introduce myself. I'm Kale Lowry. And I'm V Rivera. And we're the hosts of Baby Mama's No Drama Podcast. The Webby Award-winning Baby Mama's No Drama Podcast. Two baby mamas chatting it up about life, bedroom talk, family, and whatever drama we are trying to get out of the way. All while being just a little bit explicit. No, a lot explicit. (laughs) (laughs) So listen to us, the Baby Mama's No Drama Podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts. Well... I'm sort of burning out of this. I get very upset when I think about it. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad you're doing the work. It's why I wanted to talk to you. And I, I want to support what you're doing. And if people do want to support it, they can follow you. It's Pacific Legal website, pacificlegal.org. Twitter is at Pacific Legal. And Joe himself, you can see it at Average Joe L.E. What's the L.E.? Legal? Lapino Esposito. Oh, L.E. There yeah. you go. The easy way uh, to say that. Yeah. Average <laughs> Joe L.E. It's all. Is it all one, one run together? Or is there any... Sp- uh, dashes or anything in there with the average? Uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, uh, it's average. AVG, it's average AVG, AVG, AVG yeah. then underscore or something or just no yeah. altogether. All AVG, Joe Ellie. Yep. All right. And but no, keep, keep hope, Drew. We're, we're going to be okay. We, well, we that's are what I, well, that's what I want to, yeah. that's my last question yeah. actually, yeah. which is, is there, is there a world where we look at the current events and go, and 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 think to ourselves. One day we'll look back and say, "Thank God that happened because it exposed all these things that we then pushed back on and reequilibrated and got back to the the basic principles of this government." Yeah, I, I really do believe we will. I mean, I think what we're seeing in a number of states and at the federal level, we're seeing this pushback. Right? We have this concern of. What type of power are we handing off to people elected or otherwise, particularly when they're unelected? Uh, What are we handing that power to and why are we doing it? And I think we're seeing a lot of pushback. Uh, We're going to continue to see it. I know at Pacific Legal Foundation, we're going to continue to push it both through the courts and through the state legislatures and, and, and Congress as well to say this is out of line. There is a separation of powers. There is a way to stop this overreach from government and let people decide how they want to live their lives and not let government dictate every single thing that we do. Joe, thank you so much. Any last uh, thoughts? No, just uh, I I appreciate you bringing a lot of attention to this. Uh, You know, keep doing it. Keep talking about it. Uh, And definitely I want people to take a look at what they're doing in their states and at the federal level and recognizing where all of these problems keep arising. Is there a mechanism if people have particular complaints that they can email or or is there a way to sort of bring awareness of to you guys of something that needs some uh, attention? Yeah, definitely reach out to us through the website. Uh, You can contact me there or grab me on Twitter, wherever else. 
we love to hear the stories of either individuals who are affected, who could be potential clients to say, look, you were wronged by some of these things that are happening or in many cases still happening if these orders are still in effect um, or really on any of our other issues where government is overreaching. You know, you have things like the California Coastal Commission oh. find one of our clients four million dollars for not allowing an easement, which was just a drop off off the shoreline, which they find them. Uh, you know, there's, there's no oversight there. There's no judge saying that's allowed, but it stands because the Coastal Commission is given this great power and, you know, we appealed to the Supreme Court and we got nowhere on it. So, you know, that that's this type of thing that we're trying to push back on. Did you see um, this, the seawall in Laguna? That's a neighbor of ours. They, mm. they they just – they put a rock facade on it to make it look more like a natural in, – in with the cliff. They got sued millions and millions of dollars because the, the Coastal Commission hadn't approved it. Yeah. And uh, and claiming that the seawall itself that had been there for 50 years and was literally a half an eighth of a mile back from the water was interfering with tides. And then the LA right. Times ran a front-page article and in the picture of the seawall, they put a purple Christmas tree in front of it because it was so far away from the water, they didn't want it was absurd when you actually see the picture. So to, to support the article, they adulterated the picture on the front page of the LA Times. I never forget that. Yeah, it's it's spectacular. I mean, in this case, we had somebody who had put up a gate uh, to sort of discourage the easement because there was a major drop off. So they ended up agreeing to what the Coastal Commission said after they got fined. And in a horrible, ironic twist, the Coastal Commission then put up a new gate and locked the gate and doesn't allow anybody through. They're doing the same thing the homeowners did. But because the homeowners violated what the Coastal Commission said they were allowed to do, the fine stands. It is really an unfortunate reality that if you give people power, they they there's sort of no restraint on where they'll go with it. it it's it really – I'm surprised by that. I didn't know people really – that. Sensible people did that, but I'm learning that I was wrong and that yeah. there has to be real constraints on this or it's a fucking disaster. Yeah. And California I mean, you have to is least... the living, breathing example of this. Yeah, no, you have to at least get somebody in front of a judge and, and allow them to even have that case. I mean, we've had cases. Uh, we have a Supreme Court case now for the second time where the first time through they had to decide if our clients could even challenge the EPA finding them $75,000 a day. Supreme Court said nine zero yes, and now eleven years later, the case is back in front of the Supreme Court that we're litigating to say, well, now that we can talk about it, is this allowed based on wetlands and other Clean Water Act and other issues as well? But they didn't even want a judge to look at the issue at all. And by the way, another part about the just because I can't stop on this, you know, we have all this protection of the wetlands and stuff, and yet because of the way the laws are set up. There is roughly sixty to a hundred thousand people shitting and peeing on the streets of California every day, living on the streets, and that's hosed into the drain system, which goes directly to LA River, bypasses sewage treatment. So a city the size of Pasadena has no sewage treatment effectively all day, every day, goes right into the ocean. You're not concerned about that? No concern. Right. No thoughts. That right. when I well, raised it when I raised it with the save the save the bay person, he said, Well, they the homeless people have to bathe in that river. I'm like, that's not the point. The point is it's it's a city whose sewage is going into the bay every day without sewage treatment. That's un, un, unbelievable in a modern society. It's unbelievable. Right. Yeah, selective enforcement is your problem there, right? They've decided that they don't want to enforce that law 
And so therefore it's not going to stand. Whereas you've had cases, there was one here in a number of years ago in, in the DC area where someone accidentally put uh, sewage down the, the stormwater drain. Uh, he was a maintenance manager at a nursing home. And next thing you know, federal officials are showing up and he ends up getting a five-year probation sent, federal sentence, uh, you know, faced a number of years in prison had he not agreed to a, a plea deal for making an honest accident because there's no there's no intent requirement on some of these laws or the intent requirement is so weak that you can make a mistake and then be be in trouble. Whereas they're intentionally doing it in this case, but no one wants to step in and do anything about it. So they just won't. And and that's the problem with having so many laws that you can now selectively enforce based on who the person is and what they're doing. Uh, and that's just a general problem we have right now in, in lawmaking and across the board that we really need to to step up and look at and say, what power are we giving government to allow you to, to or not allow you to do certain things? Crazy. Joe, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, everybody, we'll see you next time. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like holiday movie favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. 